Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Everyone, I'm Kama, and you can find me at the hyphen real hyphen comma splice on Tumblr. And tonight I'm joined by Lot. Hi, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth hyphen posts on Tumblr. And Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho, and you can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. And our returning guest, Tina. Hi, I'm Tina, and you can find me at Cutie Pillar on Tumblr. Okay, so um, tonight we're going to be covering um, Sansa 2 from A Storm of Swords. Um, And as always, trigger warning for potential discussion of rape and or violence. Um, And I know I sound weary, but um, it's because we keep saying this every episode, but I'm not sure what we could be spoiling, but we do spoil everything, um, books and shows. So, you know, get out now if you are turning in and you're new and don't want to be spoiled. Okay, so um, I did research, but unfortunately I forgot to look up what really happened between chapters, but I want to say I believe Arya, um, Gendry, and Hot Pie have been discovered by the Brotherhood Without Banners, and Arya identifies as herself to Harwin. And I'm pretty sure Rob shows up um, back home with his new bride, upsetting everybody. And there's stuff with John, but I can't remember that. So, you know, he's not my favorite. What can I say? Uh, yeah, I haven't slept in days, so this is going to be a really interesting episode. Oh. <laughs> um, well, it should be short and sweet, so let's power through. Okay, so basically, um, Sansa discovers that Cersei has ordered a new dress for her, and she's kind of shocked at this. Um, We find out she desperately needs new clothes because, um, for two reasons, one of which is it sounds like she damaged most of her wardrobe um, that time when she got her first period (laughs) and decided to try to cover it up by burning her mattress. And uh, which I could have told her was not the best way to do that. Um, And uh, it also sounds like she's hit puberty because she's grown about three inches taller and she's evidently a bit bustier. um, And the seamstress tells her she shouldn't try and hide her tits because they're quite nice, which is a little weird. (laughs) There was oh, that old lady was so inappropriate. Uh, like the whole thing. she was like, "Dear, your breasts are going to be just as nice as Cersei's." I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> keep it profesh, please." Yeah. Um, the dress is extremely splendid, which in retrospect is a is a big clue. Um, oh, incidentally, this is the research I did. So, the seamstress basically says it's going to be like a fabulous gown and um, you're not just getting the dress. You're going to get 
the small clothes and hose as well, kirtles and mantles and cloaks, and all else befitting a young, a lovely young lady of noble birth. So I actually looked up what those things are because I, I wasn't sure. Um, also, and I'll read this bit in just one second. So I found this website, which is pretty cool, called Rosalie's Medieval Women. And she basically explains what each of these things are, because I didn't know. So, like, a kirtle is the outer petticoat of the dress. And then this is where I think George kind of didn't know what he was talking about, because he talks (laughs) about, well, he he does two things in this chapter. He refers to Sansa's jerkin, which is, I believe, is a piece of male attire, not for women. Oh, Um, And he also talks about cloaks and mantles, but a mantle is a type of cloak. So they're not different. I don't know. I was so proud of myself. I looked all this up. You're just getting a shit ton of cloaks. Yeah. You know, for the one outfit, which I guess is great. (laughs) Maybe it's like like a blazer or like, you know, you change your dress with the blazer. (laughs) I guess Cersei's really generous when it comes to designing the... um, wedding dresses of her hostages. Um, so there is, there, I have a couple of comment, uh, things I wanted to read out and then we'll talk about it a little bit. But in response to the, you've got great, you know, great breasts and you shouldn't hide them. Um, they're going to be prettier than the Queens or whatever. She's, she thinks the comment made her blush. Yet the last time she'd gone riding, she could not lace her jerkin all the way to the top, and the stable boy gasped at her, gasped at her as he helped her mount. Sometimes she caught grown men looking at her chest as well, and some of her tunics were so tight she could scarce breathe in them. Do you think anyone's ever beat off to that passage? Sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> she's thirteen That's years somebody. old. <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, 13-year-olds. <laughs> Let's be appropriate here. <laughs> oh, my God. But they're grown men. Oh, so oh yeah. Well, it's, in that age, she was a grown woman in their heads. I think it's George. If <laughs> <laughs> we go there, I think I'm out. Oh like, oh, all right. <laughs> all right, fine. We don't have to go there. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, I do hear you. And so I'm trying to joke it off because it's so gross. <laughs> um, so I, I don't honestly know that Sansa could have intuited why she's getting this new dress. Although I do find it interesting because dis- evidently Cersei realizes what the plan is, but um, she don't remember. But anyhow, um, Sansa conjectures that the dress is Marjorie's doing. Um, this, the Tyrell contingent are all being super nice to her and she's actually having, um, quite a nice time, a little bit of a respite in their company. Um, and, uh, there's a couple interesting parts I wanted to kind of, uh, touch on. I promise they're not terribly gross lot. Uh (laughs) Um, although there's, there's the, the first one that I thought was interesting. Like she talks about all the, the various girls and Marjorie's entourage, um, and she says, um, she's talking about them, and she says, Mega couldn't sing, but she was mad to be kissed. She and Allah played a kissing game sometimes, she confessed. Was it, it wasn't quite the same as kissing a man, much less a king. Sansa wondered what Mega would think about kissing the hound as she had. He'd come to her the night of the battle, stinking of wine and blood. He kissed me, and he threatened to kill me, and made me sing him a song. 
He didn't kiss her. No, he didn't. Yeah, that's that false narrative thing going on. I think so. Is that it, or did George forget? Like <laughs> that debate? Is that debate whether? <laughs> I think I think that's the debate. <laughs> I think so. It's like, isn't it every time she thinks about it, it's a little bit different in her. Has he ever spoken about it? Surely someone's questioned him. Anyone know? Probably not. Don't remember. Yeah. I wish I was more invested in this. (laughs) (laughs) I I have no answers for you. Okay. (laughs) Somebody out there does. Um, I I have like a couple more passages. Well, we'll talk about this in a second, but she also uh, thinks the girls are all mad for J- Joffrey or getting mad. Basically, there's a bit in there about how, even though they should probably know better, they're all like totally crushing on Joffrey. And Sansa thinks they're children, Sansa thought. They're silly little girls, even Eleanor. They've never seen a battle. They've never seen a man die. They know nothing. Their dreams were full of songs and stories the way hers had been before Joffrey cut her father's head off. Sansa pitied them. Sansa envied them. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I thought it was a really nice passage. I mean, she's 13 years old, and she's like, she might as well be 45. Uh, well, I guess yeah, she's kind of an emotional veteran, a war veteran at this point, right? Yeah. And she's observing these girls and kind of where she should be at, you know, emotionally and mentally in life. And she's not... It just sucks because Cersei totally did that on purpose. She's just messing with her head. So she's all like all excited that she's getting a new dress just to like have it all taken away again. Yeah. It's like it's like Sansa can't, this is why she can't have nice things. I mean it's just Yep. Every damn time. Um so we find out that Marjorie has been taking Sansa out hawking. And basically, she's talking up Willis a lot and also stressing how close she and Sansa are. They're like sisters. Um, Sansa tries to warn Marjorie against Joffrey, and Marjorie is sure she can handle it because, after all, she's got Loras. Um, and Sansa thinks this is not going to work. Um, and Marjorie, nope, Loras is going to protect her. And uh, there's another bit where she goes uh, this is Sansa yet the more she thought about it all the more she wondered Joff might restrain himself for a few times perhaps as long as a year but sooner sooner or late he will show his claws and when he does the realm might have need of a second king slayer and there would be war inside the city as the men of the lion and the men of the rose made the gutters run red yeah that's the truth yeah she had a really I thought she had a really good point there because I mean, you know, Marjorie's kind of cavalier about it. Oh, I can handle him. And, you know, Loris is here, you know, sort of insinuating for her protection. And um, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead or that's part of that bit. But, no, this is it. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. When she says, so basically it sounds like Marjorie's saying, if John's, Joff lays a hand on me, he'll hurt him. And then Sansa's like, well, he's going to become another Kingslayer then. You know, he's mm-hmm. going to he's going to be the shunned one and, you know, there's gonna be war so yeah I mean, she has a point why why wouldn't think marjorie just has all these other you know maybe she knows he's going to be you know killed at that point and she's not worried but you know from sansa's point of view it's a good point yeah i i think it's also you know what's interesting about it is the fact that sansa's thinking that way you know she's thinking about different outcomes yeah yeah Yeah. 
and that she did warn you know it sounds like she genuinely was warning her because i mean you know who who would do that too i mean that that speaks to her in her desperate situation that she would risk you know because if marjorie stepped if she warned her and just say the consequences were Marjorie said, oh, you know, she she didn't know how Marjorie was going to react if Marjorie stepped back mm-hmm. and said, oh, I don't want any part of this. Then, yeah, he could take things out on Sansa. So that was pretty uh, nice of her to consider someone else's safety that she doesn't well, have she, to. She's, um, I mean, she just in that passage, basically before, you know, this, when she warns Marjorie, she's she does that because Marjorie calls her sister. And uh, Sansa, I think, thinks about Arya, who I think she assumes is dead somewhere, and her brothers are dead. And uh, I think also, I think Marjorie thinks she can handle Joffrey, yeah. the way most people think you can handle one of those, you know, you, you're going to be able to come in and you're going to be able to say, you know, they'll listen to you. You know, the crazy person will pay attention to you and it'll be fine because you know how to handle them. Yeah. And that usually works well the first or second time, and then it just all goes horribly, horribly wrong, which I think Sansa's, you know, she has ample experience with that. Uh, so um, later when she's secretly meeting with Dantos, who is another creepy old man who keeps trying <laughs> to kiss her and feel her up and all that. Um uh, so gross. I know. Uh, that he did that too. It's like, ooh, everybody's leching. Yeah. Um, but Sansa tells him about the Tyrell plan and that she really doesn't need his help anymore. And he's alarmed and tells her this is a bad idea and describes the Tyrells as Lannisters with flowers. And um, I, I don't think he's wrong. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, his motives in telling her that are clearly not, you know, for her. Um and then Dantos points out why the Tyrells, you know, want her. And then she's startled to realize that she has the claim on Winterfell, which, you know, in ordinary circumstances, I don't think, you know, she's got, well, had, you know, four brothers. So, you know, she never would have been in the position to get that. Um, and she's trying to convince herself that Willis is the answer to her problems. And this is the last bit I want to read aloud. Um, she pictured the two of them sitting together in a garden with puppies in their laps or listening to a singer strum upon the lute while they floated, floated down the mander on a pleasure barge. If I give him sons, he may come to love me. She would name them Eddard and Brandon and Rickon and raise them all to be as valiant as Sir Loras and to hate Lannisters too. In hmm. Sansa's dreams, her children looked just like the brothers she had lost. And sometimes there was even a girl who looked like Arya. Um, but no matter how much she tells her that, um, self that, I think she keeps realizing, you know, he's not Sir Loras. He's an older guy with a limp. She's never seen him. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, we've never seen him. I love how fandom has, like, totally made up this whole idea of who he is, but we have no idea, really. Yeah. Yeah, she could be right. He could be. <laughs> yeah. I like, too, there was that part where she's kind of, like, stealing herself because she finds herself imagining him and thinking, you know, like, he's attractive. And she's like, no, 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 wait. He could be round of face. He could look like Mace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that rhymed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, like, she's... I don't know. She's such a survivor. 
Yeah, she's come a long yeah. way because for someone so starry-eyed <laughs> to now be like, I mean, that almost sounds like, you know, kind of as you, you get older and you're like, well, more practical about relationships and things. You know, when you're younger, you imagine the, you know. He's literate. He has yeah. a job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of yeah, thing. Like, hey, this is like, <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. She's like, okay, it doesn't matter what he looks like. <laughs> she's there at 13, I you know, know. she's preparing yeah. herself. <laughs> Well, and I, I, you know, he could just be some kind of boring old guy who likes, you know, and she's, I mean, in Game of the first book, she and Jane Poole, um, Jane Poole has the crush on, uh, what's his name, Beric Dondarrion, and Sansa, mm-hmm. you know, thinks he's an old man. He's 25. Yeah, because I was going to say, she, they say, did, in this part, they say he's twice her, so he's 26, right? They say he's twice her age, so he'd be 26. Is that accurate? I don't yeah, know if they gave an exact amount. You mean, I don't remember yeah. if there's yeah. a... Double her age, I'm yeah, pretty double, sure. Yeah. So, I but mean... But then they always say everything's older, you know, oh, you're so old. <laughs> Well, and I mean, like, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Ned and Catelyn are like, we're like in their 30s. I mean, they're not. They're not. I mean, I think the show. Yeah, they're like 34, 35. They're young. And they, like, they feel like they're yeah. over the hill. <laughs> but um, she she feels she still feels sorry for Marjorie, which I, I do kind of love that she she's got this sort of humanity in her, which yeah. not everyone in this series has. And um, she decides to light a candle to the lady to protect Marjorie and Loras. Um, and then this is the part that kind of killed me. She basically, I think she accepts that the reason they want to, you know, marry her has to do with the um, her claim on Winterfell. But um, she basically thinks that what she's going to do is take this splendid gown with her when she goes to visit Winterfell and then maybe eventually Willis will come to love her for herself. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so that's the chapter. Oh, that's uh. what she's been filled up with to her whole life, too. She's yeah, probably been told different scenarios with, you know, because they don't get to pick who they're going to marry, right? Uh. Well, I mean... I mean, what she wants, I mean, there's nothing, I mean, she wants what everyone wants. She wants, you know, someone to care for her, for her. And then also in a practical sense, I mean, she's got all these men pawing at her wherever she goes. So, I mean, if she does wear her pretty dress, you know, Willis presumably has a pulse, you know, maybe he'll, you know, then she'll have some sort of security. But it's like, oh, God. She's 13 and settling for the guy who's literate with a job and has most of his own teeth. Yep. And most importantly, is not in King's Landing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I think that's I, the real appeal. Yeah, She's like looking to get away. I always remember the first time I read the book, this chapter, and I like, you just knew something was coming. You're like, what is going to happen? What horrible thing's going to happen because Sansa is get to be happy oh. for like. 20 minutes of her life while she's getting fit for a dress that she thinks beautiful just does she actually find out at the end of this chapter no she doesn't oh, find okay. out i i'm pre- i may i did not read ahead but i seem to recall that um when they spring the wedding on her at the last possible minute when cersei of course has to be the one to tell her can't just you know send anybody she that's how she, that's her fun it's, yeah you know. Well, because there's a whole bit about how, like, you know, 
try not to tear the dress too much during the bedding or something because, you know, it cost us in love. So it's like, yeah. And you also got to wonder, this girl is apparently wandering around in clothes that are two sizes or three sizes too small for her. That's, you know, half of her dress has smoke damage and nobody has thought to buy her anything. Hmm. Yeah, she's just like a basically a little slave to, to them. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, short chapter. Um, <laughs> do we have any mail? Uh, yes, we do. We have a, an email from Shelby, and it's, it's discussing the topic of the, um, Maggie prophecy, but I'll, I'll get into that. And, okay, so she starts, hey guys, if Chicky's there to hear this email, which she's not, so she lucks out, I'd like to apologize to her in advance for the question I'm about to ask. As it's Maggie the Frog related, and I know she hates it, haha. But I was reading some old <laughs> posts on her Tumblr about it, where she said that if the younger, more beautiful person is in fact a queen, then it could only really be Danny or Marge. It reminded me of what I've been wanting to discuss with you guys. It isn't my original idea, but I've added a spin that hasn't been discussed by anyone else, to my knowledge. She put in parentheses. And it's been a while since I've, uh, you know, I was reading this ahead of time. It's been a while since I've personally delved into the prophecy again. So I don't remember hearing about um, this particular take on it. Okay, she says, I think that the younger, more beautiful queen should be Marcella, And here's why. We keep hearing about the Dornish wanting to crown Marcella, which would pit her against her own family, especially Cersei. Maggie said that all of Cersei's kids would have golden crowns. This could mean Joff and Tom would have actual crowns, and Marcy's crown would only be her blonde hair, but I think it means they will all literally be crowned. Maggie's prophecy involves Cersei's family, how many kids she'll have, and the fact that her little brother will kill, will kill her. I know some people think it could be anyone's little brother thematically. It would mean so- nothing if someone like Victorian or freaking Arya... <laughs> Wearing Jamie's face was the felon quar. No, I didn't make that last one up. Um, but anyway, by this pattern of the prophecy being Lannister-themed, shouldn't the younger, more beautiful queen be Cersei's family as well? Marge is only Cersei's daughter by marriage. Danny isn't related to her, unless Cersei is a secret targ. Dun-dun-dun. LOL. Sorry, but I had to tease you with that. I know you all hate that theory. LOL. <laughs> uh, I'm okay with the cersei Jamie secret targ thing. I'm actually okay with it. But I'll, I'll outlier. Um, I don't think March <laughs> is the equation at all, mainly because I don't think she's canonically more beautiful than Cersei, and I don't think she's truly Cersei's rival like she was in the show. So that just leaves Danny. Beyond the fact that Danny doesn't fit into the prophecy's family theme, she's too obvious of an answer, in my opinion. More importantly, Danny and Cersei's stories are not intertwined thematically. The only connection they have, besides indirect ties, parentheses Cersei marrying the usurper and ruling historically targ lands, is that Cersei wanted to bang Danny's brother Rhaegar. LOL. So thematically, it would mean nothing if Danny takes Cersei down. But if Cersei's own daughter takes her down or becomes her enemy, it will continue the theme of House Lannister destroying themselves. My personal spin on is this. I don't think the Golden Shroud necessarily has to be a funeral shroud. In this case, if Mercy is declared queen, I think the Golden Shroud will be a literal shroud slash cape that she receives during her coronation. And she has parentheses, monarchs have to wear one while being crowned, I think. Marcy will still probably die, but not before declaring herself queen. Cersei would probably be the one to kill her, directly or indirectly, since Cersei's story is essentially about her being her own worst enemy and ruining the good things in her life. I think it would be quite Shakespearean to have Cersei face her daughter under these circumstances. Cersei's story is supposed to be how all of her failures are her fault and that she brought her downfall upon herself. 
the rise of the sparrows is her fault. Indirectly, Joff's death is her fault because she raised him to be a monster, which gave him enemies. She pushed Jamie away, so turning him on her is her fault. And if Marcella is the younger, more beautiful queen, she will probably turn on her mother for something so bad, something bad that Cersei did. Cersei is her own worst enemy, and the others that suffer for it are herself or her own family. Her downfall should be made not by not only herself, but people who were directly affected by her abuse. Cersei neglected Marcella growing up, and if Marcella really was injured during Arian's coup, then Cersei would probably be cruel about her maiming, verbal and emotional abuse. All of this sets is set up for Marcella turning on her mother, partly because of her abuse. I just think there's something really compelling about this. So there are my reasons. Granted, Marcy probably isn't the younger, more beautiful queen, but I think it would be cool if she was. If not, then I think it should be Sansa. But that's off topic. Mm. And then she says thoughts. Well, I mean, I, I guess the the thing is, is like we don't, you know, we don't know for sure. I guess if it's inferred queen, then yeah, it limits. If it's not, you know, inferred queen, then it, it still leaves it open to like, you know, the whole Brienne theory. And the fifteen others. other possible yeah, yeah. people it could be. <laughs> I like. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of it being Marcella. Yeah. I think that's that's kind of interesting. But I do think that for that all to happen, it would be a lot of narrative for George to add on. Like, he how has, do you get to that he, place? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he hasn't really. I mean, I think of the children who aren't Joffrey. I mean, Tommen's been more well developed. I mean, all we really learned about Marcella. I mean, is that she seems to be getting along pretty well with Tristane and that she's better at whatever George's version of chess, Sabas or whatever. Um, then, not, yeah. But that's it, really. He hasn't really done anything to develop her. So I think for that to have like the kind of impact you'd want it to have, there'd have to be some work done. And I mean, Cersei doesn't really think about her kids that much. I mean, unless they're extensions of herself. I mean, I mean, does she really have memories of Marcel? I mean, I can't even remember. It's sad. It's minimal. I think anything that she I mean, just, like, it's all reversed. She's upset her, that Marcel is like sent to Dorne, but that mostly seems to be Trolls. because you know she feels like her daughter's been sold, or but it's like it's 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 sort of like when she worries about Tom and getting the cold because it's too soon for him to die. I mean, it's it's not. <laughs> yeah, she's got a little screwy. Yeah. <laughs> And it's it's a shame because these are two characters like I actually would, you know, I'd love to know more about Marcella. I'd love to mm-hmm. know more about Tommen. I don't think we're ever going to get the chance. Like, it would be great. And and this would actually, to me, this would be more interesting than, definitely more interesting than Danny. Yeah, definitely. I think Danny's Danny. boring. I, I agree. think that's boring. So, I mean, it's... I it, like it. I'm just doubtful because yeah. it's, it's yeah. a lot to have yeah. to, to get to that space where they're enemies. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. why the next book isn't out. <laughs> yeah, he's like, it's all about Marcella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting this, we're getting this Marcella a lot of coming into her own and realizing how abusive Cersei was and turning. A yeah. tale of Marcella. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame. It's such a shame. There's just, yeah. Oh, I hope they get a few more years, though, before they die. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> depressing well she's got her 20 minutes of being happy about a dress even though she's 13 <laughs> um Marcel, yeah i hope they get a little more happy <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and then, oh, I, I quickly Googled and wikied. I'm sure we've discussed this before, but I found two quotes by Martin about the kiss. So he said, you will see in A Storm of Swords and later volumes that Sansa remembers the hound kissing her the night he came to her bedroom. But if you look at the scene, he never does. That will eventually mean something, but just now it's a subtle touch, something most of the readers may not pick up on. And then later he <laughs> says, file this under unreliable narrator and feel free to ponder its meaning. So that totally... You don't know, maybe he messed up. You know what I mean? That's his, yeah. be his way of covering up a mess up. <laughs> yeah. This is why the books are taking so long. He's trying to figure out how the fuck do I fix this? So. <laughs> he's, he's just okay, like, fandom, stop yeah. asking him about discrepancies. Cause yeah, he's going, <laughs> don't bother him about horses and eye colors and <laughs> kisses and whatever. <laughs> oh. Do you have anything else? No, or? that was it. That was a nice, good, good email. Okay, so uh, let's see. So, um, thank you, everybody. Yeah. Uh, and uh, please rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and all the places. Uh, we love getting messages. So, if you have any, or you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you can email us at close the door and at gmail dot com. You can find us on Tumblr at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. Uh, and we are also on uh, Twitter at door podcast. Uh, and you can also follow us on Facebook. Um, please consider supporting this podcast on Patreon. You'll get special benefits or benefits like special episodes and exclusive early access to new stuff. Um, thank you to our, our panel and thank you for listening. I'm closing the door. Get out.